0: Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Ian Carlos
1: Crawford. I'm Zachary Patton Garcia.
0: I'm Ryan Houlihan. And today we will be chatting with the writers, directors, and a star of Slayers. We've got Christopher Golden. Hi, Chris. And Amber Benson. Tara McClay!
2: In (laughs) the house! In the house!
3: So, Amber, I've had you tell your, I always do a Buffy origin, but now we'll do a Slayer's origin. Uh, Do you want to tell us, like, how it came to be? How it, like, what was the first, what were the first steps in getting this off the ground?
4: Uh, Chris, you want to, you want to help me with this one? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I feel like there are like 50 different versions of this now. And I've forgotten how it actually happened. (laughs) The really short
2: summary is that, you know, um, as, as many people know Amber and I have been friends for a really long time um, and we have our own origin story, but um, I had been uh, talking to Lydia Shama who been at a different company and then moved over to audible uk um about other stuff and she happened to mention to me that they had acquired the rights to do a buffy the vampire slayer audio series and um and of course my response was well you know amber and i should write that and (laughs) um, and 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 we should write and direct that um and of course lydia liked that idea and that's the really short version but. But the reality of it is, and I keep saying this, is that even though they had the rights to do it, um, I really don't think that they would have been able to get the cast to return. I just don't think that ever would have happened without Amber. They just wouldn't have done it, you know. Um, so so that, I think, is the real origin
4: of the thing. I did get out my Rolodex and start making phone calls. You know, uh, the thing that I think people don't realize is that we actually started working on this pre-COVID. So it's been three years in the making. Um, Yeah. So I I remember calling Emma Caulfield three years ago and being like, Hey, we're doing this thing. She's like, okay. (laughs) And then I I would reach out the next year. Hey Emma, you still down to maybe do this thing? She's like, is this really happening? Oh (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Next year she called me, Benson, is this happening? I'm going to shoot something and wherever in Atlanta or wherever. I'm not going to be around. What is this happening? I'm like, I think it's happening. I think we're going to do it in the next year. Okay, we're doing this. (laughs) Are you sure, Benson? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I got on the phone with everybody. And as we were starting to put the outline of the story together, just to make sure that uh, we could get everyone on board ahead of time. Because it seems seems ridiculous to write a whole thing and then go to somebody and go, hey, you interested?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
4: Much better to be prepared. So I've done
1: a lot of speculating over the episodes and the coverage about like how this came about and who had the idea and who went to who first. So I mean, we'll take the long story too if you ever <laughs> that to <us> also.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, well, there were a
1: lot of
2: conversations about. We should talk about. I mean, there were a lot of conversations about <clears throat> who look basically the people who are involved in this are involved in this because um they wanted we like to, them because we we like them
4: them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because it was like who who did we want to play with really it's like we're going to be in a room with people (laughs) who who do we want to play with but also you know amber and i did have a lot of conversations about um uh you know giving giving certain characters attention and love and uh and and uh adventures that they had never had And maybe writing
4: yeah maybe writing some 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 moments changing those moments uh which is how we ended up with the multiverse sort of storyline is that we wanted to deal with anya and tara and cordelia but because of canon from the show and from uh, other other sources um those characters really weren't available yeah. in the same way. So how do you how do you bring them into the fold? You go to another universe where they still exist, and you give them a whole different storyline, and you you maybe write a few wrongs in the process.
3: You know, it's funny because I mean, sci-fi and comic books and like fantasy have been doing multiverse for a while, right? But they become more like commonplace. And it's funny that like you just said, you worked you started this three years ago you know, uh, the Marvel movie Multiverse of Madness had not been talked about three years ago. Um, Correct. And it's funny that like all of, I feel like this kind of stuff in sci-fi and fantasy like ebbs and flows with like kind of what works and what doesn't. But I was telling someone the other day, I was like, the original Star Trek did this with like Mirrorverse. And Buffy did it too with, you know, the Vampire Willow. So we've had shows that have done this and it does make sense in the Buffyverse to be able to do that because- it's such a open, you know, you have the like, there's sci fi elements, even though it's more fantasy, there's, you can do kind of whatever the hell you
4: want, right? Right. Well, whenever magic is involved in a universe or, a, or a, a, a story world, I think it gives you sort of unlimited power to try weird, exciting things. But I remember growing up reading Diana Wynne Jones, and she was dealing with multiverse theory in her her uh, chrismancy books you know when i was a kid like multiverse theory has been around for for a very long time and i mean Um,
2: michael moorcock and the eternal champion yep you know it it was all that so it's but but in the sense of it being for in the forefront of pop culture imagination when we came up with this idea and we're originally outlining it multiverse of Madness hadn't come out spider-man no way home hadn't come out yep um you know it just was uh
4: And for me, in the multiverse gravy train,
3: for me, for me to have a less uh, like dumber down watered version of oh yeah, there's been multiverse X Men. X Men was always my like introduction to multiverse with like Days of Future Past, and like I would play that storyline with my toys as a kid because I thought it was so cool. It's like. I could have these characters die, but nope. Then they fix it at the end. They go back in time and like fix it. Sure. They go to like different dimension where everyone's alive. Um, and that was like my favorite thing to play as a kid. Just like, oh, someone time traveled and they fixed whatever, or they went to a different universe. <laughs> that was always like fun. And it's like, I feel like it must've been fun for the two of you to play in that kind of world with like, Ooh, we oh, we can gosh. do whatever we want.
4: Totally. I mean, that's how we end up with Cordelia, the vampire slayer, which was a big draw for me and for Chris Um, Did,
3: did either of you know that that was like a big thing with fan fiction? No. Oh yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) To me, it was always so meta because she, you know, charisma was one of the, 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 like the last handful that tested for Buffy. And I was like, what would the world be like if she had been Buffy instead of Sarah Michelle? Like, yeah. how bananas would that be? That was always very intriguing to me to see that world. And so that that was where we were coming from. But I 100% get that the fans would be down for that. Of course they would. I was down for it. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> okay.
2: yes. But so I didn't know that com- was a fan fiction favorite. You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> When it comes to like multiverse stuff, obviously it's so great that it's baked in to the like show and like the world without shrimp and stuff. Like you, we were really like prepped for this. Um, but when it comes to like actually writing it in the real world, a multiverse means you can really do literally anything. Did everyone sort of come in with ideas of like what they're like in pre-production, what their like sense of justice or their unexplored storyline would be? Because in my mind, this is kind of quintessential Anya, the multiverse one. And Cordelia getting to be the chosen one is kind of like an end of her story on Angel. And Tara getting to be dark Tara as opposed to dark Willow is like something that we've all like kind of fantasized about or like thought about or whatever. Um, Did everybody have like an idea or did you guys like lay it out in like a grand unveiling and everybody clapped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember there being applause.
1: There should have there, been.
2: There there now snaps. there will be <laughs> snaps. There were snaps. Um, we actually wrote the whole thing. Uh, all nine e- uh, episodes were written before anybody else saw it. Huh. Um, so they all received it in in that way. Uh, While we were recording, we did get some requests for the future. <laughs> oh, sure. Mostly, mostly just that everyone wants to have sex with Spike.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've got a few people here too. Who when you,
5: in season <laughs> two in the two shadow the pocket, podcast.
1: give it to me in the shadow pocket, and I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> in, uh, in, in
3: season two, when you write, uh Spike has to go on a podcast, and he meets Ian, Ryan, and Zach, and he hooks up with three of them I
1: mean, in <laughs> the shadow pocket. Again, make sure yeah. the shadow pocket is But so <laughs> then you were talking about your rolodex and like creating the story and. And then like kind of reaching out to people and seeing who would be part of it. Were you writing the story based off who you knew would be in it? Or did you just decide to write the story, reach out to those people? And if they weren't going to be in it, just rewrite that section of it.
4: Mostly we wrote to who we knew was excited and interested. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, it, it's a, it becomes an excessive amount of work when you're writing something in the dark. way better to have everyone sort of whether they do it or not just know that there is interest because sometimes people's schedules get funky and they can't do it but with this we were very lucky everyone was able who was
1: a little bit more hesitant to do it
4: i think everybody was a little nervous about it i was nervous about it frankly you know um even once we
2: got into the studio everybody was nervous
4: yeah i mean there is a lot of trauma attached to buffy Uh, for a lot of people. And I think, you know, there was, there was a lot of hesitancy of like, well, do I step back into this world and revisit sort of painful feelings and Chris and I, and and Lydia and and the audible UK team and Casey Wayland, who is our co-director and producer, we all worked really, really, really hard to make this a safe space. That was really important that everybody felt protected and, um, you know, and I think we we did a a pretty good job of that. I think you know, obviously, you're not going to make everybody happy all the time, and sometimes you know things fall through the cracks. But I would say we did a ninety percent ninety percent job of of keeping everybody feeling very safe and protected. That was really important for us. I got to say that. Think,
2: oh, go ahead. I go was going to say a big element of that too. I think was the fact that we recorded everybody together in the studio. Everybody was there, um, except Tony Head, who was in London, but he was even live on screen with us while we were recruiting oh, simultaneously. Wow. So I think that part of that sort of safe space atmosphere was the fact that everyone was experiencing it together. Um, and then back to your question of the the one character, Amber, that I, I know that we wrote in uh, with the the full knowledge that we might have to completely replace was actually Danny oh. Jonathan. Oh, really? Okay. Um, because, because we didn't know, I mean, it was, it was going to be a, you know, we knew that, you know, you know, Danny loves Amber and, and, uh, and that he was sort of up for it idea wise, but whether he'd be able to do it right. or, or whatever. He's
4: so busy. Yeah. You know. He's so busy. So we were really lucky, and he, which is why the-
2: he's not in it much, because we were like, yeah. okay, we can, we're never gonna get him if we write this long thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
3: It's not surprising, though, that, Amber, you would be one of the people that gets everyone to come back, because I will say, (laughs) you know, we've had numerous people who worked on Buffy on this podcast, and everyone's always singing your praises. Everyone's always saying how nice you are. Everyone's always like, oh, like, even if they didn't, they weren't on the show with you, but like, (laughs) like, uh, Charisma, when I've had her on, you know, you guys became friends doing cons and stuff. Um, Everyone always sings your praises. And I mean, so do I, because I talked, I feel like you just saw this post. I was like, oh, right, Amber can see this. That's embarrassing. But you were my first ever interview I ever did. And Aww. I was so fucking nervous that day. And you were so nice. You were just you like, did it's not
4: okay. come <laughs> off, you did not come up nervous at all. Very professional. Um, no, I you know, I feel like you treat people the way you want to be treated. And I like people being nice to me. So <laughs> I try and treat other people nicely so they reciprocate. Um plus life is short and what is the point of being here and and yep. just like being a jerk like I to me it's I if I feel cruddy why would I want to make anybody else feel cruddy and I know a lot of people disagree with me on that but I just <laughs> Unfortunately. that's just not how I that's just not how I roll so yeah well,
1: speaking of the cons did y'all so over the years and y'all seeing each other as often as you did doing these cons did y'all have ideas and talk about continuations in some form
4: not really. I think, you know, uh, like I said, there there's a, a lot of people came away a little damaged. So there was that component. But then I think also, you know, very much we all for whatever, you know, the guy that created the show, Joss Whedon, whatever his issues like he is a sing- he was a singular voice. And I think people were like, oh, we don't want to be a part of something that doesn't have that voice. It wouldn't be the same. Um, so I think that was sort of part of it. And then I think it was really nice for Chris and I to come along and kind of prove that wrong. Be like, yeah, we're not that voice, but we're a voice that is different and awesome in its own way. And, and you know, I think that was that was really neat that we could do that, that we could find our version of Buffy that isn't exactly the same, but is still just as wonderful and awesome and interesting.
0: I love that confidence. Yes. (laughs) I'm wondering, like, you know, you have many years in there where I'm sure you all had your own private frustrations and emotional baggage. And it's hard because you want to protect the property that you love, that you made, that like is tied to you. But you also want to be honest and you want to, you know, you want to change things. And I wonder if in those years, watching the rights go from Fox over to Disney and then different people I'm sure at the company coming in and out and you've got you know executive producers who claim it's their show you've got the staff writers from the show who claim it's their show then you've got the whole angel thing like then years of fandom then you've got like Chris right here who's probably wrote as much Buffy stuff as anyone on earth (laughs) Um, (laughs) at what point did you feel like you had some level of control back like you got to like like when I saw for example when I saw charisma do a post about this, it felt like a total reclamation of all the work yes. that all these people have put in over the years, especially so many women and so many women's stories and experiences poured into the show. Is there a moment where you were like, okay, this is mine again, or this is ours again. Like we're in some level of control because I'm sure for years in there, you probably didn't feel that way.
4: Yeah. I think what was really hard for me personally to reconcile um, was being able to talk about like how wonderful the show is and how many amazing people I met because of the show, while also not being able to talk about any of the other stuff for years and years and years. Now I can be honest. Um, and I think the thing that I realized with, with the freedom of being honest is that I was wrong always. It was always a great show because of the collaboration, because it takes yeah. a village to make this show. It is not one person. And it took me 20 plus years to realize that, that this is a this is a collaborative medium. This show is all of us. And it does like that's the beauty of the show. That's what's so great about it. It's the fans. It's the people that worked on it. It's the people that made it happen, like on the executive development, you know, studio side. It is, it is all of us together that makes this show what it is. It's not one person. One person cannot dampen the light of the show. And that took me a long time. And now I I think with Slayers, Chris and I have made that light even brighter. Right Chris? Well <laughs>
2: that's Amber's that's Amber's way of saying oh wait I'm talking I need somebody else to talk to. <laughs> um,
5: She's passing it
2: uh, to you. <laughs> no, I listen um th- the weird thing for me has always been that I have always been able to do the work that I've done involving Buffy and its uh associated characters and series in kind of a vacuum. Uh, so even though Amber and I have been really good friends for so long and I, I've been friendly with or friends with a number of other members of the cast and people involved in the show, um, I was always able to sort of do my work, um, in a way that was only checked by, um, the people who worked inside Fox at the time or, right. uh, or what have you. And what was really fortunate about this is we kind of were able to do the same thing here. We were able to kind of go off into our corner and do our work. And yes, people at Disney were were looking it over and responding and obviously Audible was um, involved in an editorial way and all of that. But really we were able to kind of go do our thing. And so when we did get into the studio, uh, it felt like once we had that collaboration with the cast, it felt like it was becoming ours. And by ours, as Amber said, I don't mean just us. I mean, it was ours, the group of people who were in the studio, including the techs, including KC, the producer. And then when they went to, and all the, the, the extras and everybody who came in to do Monster and Demon Voices, everybody who was there, it just felt like we were all there for the same reason. And honestly, like, it felt like we were there – it felt like our reasons for being there were sort of pure in a way with a, with a, with an affection. And yeah. then afterward to get the feedback of people, so many people saying, I feel like listening to this show has given me permission to love this series again. Um, well, uh, yes.
1: I, I, I just want to say – I do need to say like – I'm really happy that you guys feel like that because the fandom for so long we've been screaming it for so long that this show did not belong to one person this belonged to everybody who, who created it It belonged to the fandom it belonged to it belonged to so many different people that it shouldn't have had to take this long for something to happen or for people to feel like they had yeah. permission or they had any sort of license to continue it in any way that they wanted to because it is y'all's. It is y'all's. It, it belongs to Emma. It belongs to Charisma. It belongs to everybody who worked on it, and we, as a fandom, received it with with exactly what you were hoping we would receive it with. We we were so excited. We loved the idea that you put forth for it. That that the end of Buffy, right? Uh, the end of season seven, left it all open. You know, you can you can do whatever with this world that you want to do and so for it not to have continued it was a little bit of a crime and it should again it should not have taken this long and I, I really hope that you guys after this feel even more compelled or more excited to continue it in in some other sort of way and just keep it going as long as you can or as long as you want to well we're ready
2: right amber we're <laughs> we're ready
1: <laughs>
0: We're ready. We, we have yeah. a stack of fan fiction ideas that like Ian just will call me to do scheduling and I'll be like, Ian, while I have you, okay? There's a multiverse of Andrews,
4: okay? It's just all Andrew. All it's a
0: whole universe all where Andrews. Everyone is Andrew. Like an Ocean's Eleven of
2: Andrews. That's my idea. Oh my God, that's yeah, amazing. I feel like every episode Nothing of our would <laughs> Nothing would get done. Nothing would get done. I, I feel like
3: every one of our episode coverage, one of us were pitching like, ooh, what if What if this was a thing
1: they did? And like, thinking of like it was just like us like brainstorming fan <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And that was y'all's impact is like putting this out there and then getting everybody excited again to talk about it and to talk about the what ifs of this entire universe that's been left out there and has been ready, has been ready to be continued.
2: Well, well, we're just that, waiting for Audible and Disney to, to tell us we can continue. We are too. We are yeah.
1: too.
0: Audible, <laughs> Disney. On that, like, now Disney has a lot of these franchises, but they're certainly not the only company that has, like, really big universes that people love. And there's lots of stories in them. Those are, um, thankfully, in, in a fun way, it's expanded from just, like, comic book series into different mediums that do that. Were there any pitfalls? And you don't have to name specific shows because I get it. You don't want to knock anyone else's work. But were there any pitfalls you saw from other series that had expanded that were either things you wanted to avoid or things that you really admired about the way that other shows went about doing um, larger universe material?
4: Chris, I feel like you have have a lot of... (laughs) Chris always says it just has to be good.
2: Like it needs to focus
4: on being good.
2: Right. Well, my two rules, this, right, was so funny. It has to be good and it has to stand up on its own logic. And that second one, so many people run into trouble with, right? (laughs) Um, And and that was the thing. And working out, you know, working in an audio-only storytelling mode means that, unfortunately, sometimes the logic has to be info-dumped. Um, And we learned a lot of lessons on season one. So hopefully we'll have a season two to, to explore, but um, I don't know. I can't think of anything in sort of expanded universes, except to say that like, if you look at, I could, we could do a whole podcast about the MCU um, and the last like two, three years of it and sort of pitfalls that they have run into. Um, But I think the number one pitfall is, is sort of like, People not really paying that much attention to certain things. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky too because we had we yeah. had people in the, there were things. So you guys have to understand really quickly to say that like the first episode and even I like think the second episode, we took plenty of time to write. And then it took so long to get the green light to Ooh. continue to finish the thing that the the rest of the series was written very fast. Yeah. So we're in the studio. And we've got um, our execs from Audible were huge fans, um, oh, nice. and we have Juliet in the room, and oh Juliet gosh. has like a, a
4: encyclopedic, a
2: group, like yeah, encyclopedic. And so we had like all of these other voices saying, "Hey, wait a minute, this is wrong," and uh, we need to. This is a you know fix this. So it was fantastic because we're like in the studio and I'm like, Amber, Amber, keep going. <laughs> and we're rewriting little sections as, as we get there because we want to make sure that we get the continuity correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that was one way we were avoiding the pitfalls because we were in room with people who cared about making it great.
0: And- is there anything from the show? Speaking of continuity, and I get it—we brought in new, like new old characters and stuff. It's it's all very satisfying. But is there anything from the show that, using Tara's unlimited magical abilities, you would retcon or change, like big or small,
2: <laughs> in the
0: original show? Yeah, the original run. Like, is there something from those seasons that you're like, I wish Tara had done that, or I wish you know. Buffy had to, like, you're making your vengeance wish. Is there something you, like, want, would change from the original show with your magical abilities?
4: Uh, no death for Tara. I knew you were going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh I my gosh, yeah. No, no, let's lose the kill your gaze trope completely from this <laughs> show. That would be my, my magic there are, wish.
2: There are so many things, <laughs> particularly from the last two seasons, that I would do very differently. Um, but it, it, again, we could do like two hours just on that topic. <laughs> um, we'll, ha-
3: we'll have you back on for those two hours on that topic. Yeah, but, <laughs> um,
2: but what I will say is that one of the reasons why I'm so hoping that we get to do a second season is because then you will finally see the Tara that uh, that we intend her to be. <laughs> I love um, that. Because, uh, that, this whole story is, is, is putting Tara through... Uh, uh, a, a sort of um, gauntlet that uh, that ends her up in a in a place where she's very different from uh, from any tarot we've ever seen. So hopefully we get to explore that. Um, you know, I also have a big. So there are there's a certain school of of spuffers of that hate me because <laughs> they think that I hate
1: spuffy. Chris, and we we usually don't we even bring with that up the on here.
3: The podcast, <laughs> we deal with this all the time on the podcast. They yeah. get really mad at us for
2: critiques of. Yeah, well, they think that I they think that I hate Buffy and Amber. I'm sorry, I'm tangenting, but um, <laughs> oh no, no, go for it. But like, but but so the thing is, even dr- while we were recording, I had a conversation with James about the nature of vampirism in Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. And even James was like, oh, man, I never thought of it that way. And um, but but basically what it comes down to is I have always said that until he has a soul. That Spike is just a sociopath. Um, And so that anything he does, you know, a sociopath doesn't know the difference between right and wrong, but they model behavior. So anything that he does to appeal to Buffy or any of that stuff prior to him actually getting his soul he's doing because he's fascinated or obsessed or whatever it might be. But I don't believe he could love at that point personally until he had a soul. And, um, and, and again, it, it was, he was a sociopath, but just listening to this, if, if buffers are listening to this, they're going to be hating on me so hard because of that. But it doesn't <laughs> mean that once he has a soul, he can't be in love. You know, he can't, he can't have feelings and all that stuff, but, but yeah. So, so there are lots of things I would change.
1: Say all the time, if you were watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and and only ever thinking and invested in her romantic life, you weren't watching the correct show. She she had a bad picker with men. She like didn't pick. She
4: had a bad picker.
1: And who among us has not watching Buffy? Uh Most of us sitting here didn't. We weren't. Those were boyfriends. Those were like. 18, 19, 20-year-old Buffy boyfriends and go who she would that. be now. Exactly. Yeah. She would not be with them men now. So well, also, I was also
2: watching for like, I want to know what happened to the Gorch family. You know, like, yes, <laughs> like those are the kinds of things that go through my head. But,
3: you know, you know, that reminds me, I didn't ask you, Chris, because you have never been on before. I'm curious because, you know, I, I read so many of your books back in the day. When did you get into Buffy? I am curious about your Buffy origin. Like did you did you start watching it from the start and just love it or Yeah,
2: you know, it was it was a very uh it was a very simple thing which is that um I happened to be on the telephone with another author named Nancy Holder the day after the pilot aired and we were chatting and we had both watched it and the conversation turned to hey, we should find out if a publishing company all already has the rights because we should do one of those. And over the course of the day, we found out that pocket, um, part of Simon Schuster had the rights to do it and we're already in progress. So, um, we pitched an idea or we pitched two ideas. Um, and the, they came back and said, uh, they wanted this book, Halloween Rain, which turned out to be the very first Buffy novel. I don't know if you guys know that. It's the very first Buffy. Well, there was a Buffy novel that was a novelization. It was the first original Buffy novel. And they came back and said, well, you know, you can do this if you can do it in six weeks. Um, so Oof. we wrote it in four and a half weeks. Um, And yeah, so that's the origin story. And from there, you know
3: that's wild. I didn't realize that exactly. that that was how like quickly you started. I know, like, I feel like most of the ones I read took place in, like, seasons two, three, or four, but I didn't realize, but, like, you started that early. Holy crap. Yeah, it was that's right awesome.
2: after we saw the pilot, and and the crazy thing is, like, we were always in this weird... The, the book series that was being published by Simon Schuster at the time was sort of, like, a parallel reality to the show because we were always like we read every episode as they were written. Mm. But by the time a book would come out, like there would be so much more done. So, you know, you could write about something that would be completely con- contradicted by the, sh- the series and readers would be mad because it was like contradicted in the series. Which, is like, but you don't understand those episodes didn't exist when we wrote this book. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the beginning.
3: You know, it's funny um, that you mentioned that because the, i we cover marvel stuff too on this podcast and we had folks from agents of shield on Drew greenberg who was um rodan buffy was on and he was talking about that how like they kind of wouldn't be in the know about what was the future of mcu stuff and sometimes they would like go to a movie premiere and be like oh shit we need to rewrite this one thing because now it doesn't make sense with that movie we just saw at the premiere um and it's wild with stuff like that they wouldn't be like Here, just so you know, here are some like future scripts or here are some future things just to keep it.
1: a heads up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A little like look into the future, maybe.
4: (laughs) I mean, that's part of why I think the transmedia stuff really needs to be sort of proctored. There needs to be somebody keeping sort of the big book of... Yeah. So that everybody who's writing in these multiple worlds that are all connected has access. To th- I mean, we have Google Docs. People, come on. <laughs> fine. there's a, I'll there's do a lot. It.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you got us. Fine. Ryan's been pitching this since the beginning. So yes, <laughs> yeah. let Ryan be the encyclopedia of Buffyverse. Um, I, I well, there is so much Buffy content out there right now. Like there's they're, they're rebooting with comics. There they have books coming out now. Yeah. Um, this Audible series is really the first like our universe thing that we get to revisit. Right. So I, something I was always really curious about, especially listening to, listening to this is do they give y'all like a list of things that must be included? Like, do you have to include Sunnydale? Do you, or do you just get to go wild with your story? Wow.
4: Free range.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that was the (laughs) cool thing about it
2: is that it really was like, like I said, like we were able to go off into our little corner and do our thing, uh, again and that included when we were recording i mean obviously you know disney had to approve the scripts and everything and audible but um but nobody really interfered with the stories we were trying to tell um and you know i want to i want to say too for the record we i said this a little bit when we did our panel at new york comic con I was like amber deserves all her flowers absolutely yeah. uh, 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 it's like you know all the
4: flowers
2: yeah. <laughs> no i mean it's uh, it really is. It's, it's quite a feat. It's well. let me just say, it's quite a feat to completely change the conversation about something from negative to positive and, and to have people feel, uh, feel like some people have actually used the word healed, <laughs> but to have people feel like um, uh, joy where they, where they'd lost some, you know? And, uh, and I think that's, fantastic and it only happened because of you
4: Well, no it happened because of you like you, you you were the one that like made this possible you like dragged me into it even when i was nervous about it you're like when well, we can do something good here and i was like i don't know I i my nails um you were right we did something I think we did something really positive with with Slayer's a Buffyverse story oh
1: something <laughs> much more than positive I can't even describe to you when we all because we all were listening to it in preparation for this when we all first turned it on and started listening and like heard the first voices come up and you know then there was spiked and there was you know Anya and everybody's voice who, who popped up it just it 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 gives you something as a fan who's invested so much of your life into this. And, and the great thing about the Buffy just universe, um, is especially those first seven seasons is as you grow up with it, um, each season applies to a different part of your life that you go through. Right. Yeah. And then it kinda, and then you can revisit it as, as time goes on. Um, but then it kind of does just end and drop off somewhere. Right. And, and then as you, age beyond it and, and go beyond it um you crave more of something and so to be able to have that come back into our lives was just immensely it's it just there's no word to describe it. it it felt euphoric oh i
3: you know i think our our episode so we did episode by episode we did two a week once the series dropped um audible had sent us a few in advance so we recorded those ones um But the first few episodes, everyone, everyone's feedback was, holy crap, like,
4: y'all have never (laughs) been this
3: excited about something, like the whole time you've been doing this podcast it is like wild to hear the excitement in your voices
1: i hope (laughs) y'all didn't listen to it because we were screaming most of the time i'm pretty (laughs) sure we like clipped the audio well
4: you know lydia lydia over at audible uk is like a big fan of the podcast and i was like you should come with us so maybe we'll have to get lydia on because she's listened (laughs) to all of it she knows she's listened to everything and read everything about what slayers yeah i mean
2: weirdly like I think that Lydia may have consumed more coverage <laughs> um, than than anyone on Earth. I mean, she has she's read every Reddit thread, watched, listened to every podcast, watched every interview. Like it's crazy. I love that. That's that's really nice to
3: have someone in your corner that is uh, into it, and is a fan. Because yep. I've had people who've written IPs who have been like. This was miserable. The editor had clearly had no, like didn't care about what they were writing for and like would send back edits that made no sense. And the writer would have to explain, no, this is in universe. This makes sense. So I feel like that's really nice to have someone who- We
4: had the opposite. Lydia was incredible. We were so, so lucky to have her. And, you know- And Meg. And Meg Clark. marketing queen. And, you know, we would
2: be like in the middle of recording and we'd be like, hey, Lydia, how do you pronounce- uh alphania <laughs> you know like
3: i want you oh, both to know i was very proud of myself when we were recording i was like i can hear allison hannigan saying that name i know it's in the show and it was it was a, you the show. I was like i was like very proud that even just the name i was like wait a minute i know that that's a name that's been mentioned <laughs> well, oh, there are of lots
2: like... of easter eggs in there <laughs> <laughs> lots of
0: easter eggs well, speaking of those like Easter eggs and all the continuity. Wait, stuff, should we go
3: into, should we tell, say it's going to be spoilers from here on out then?
4: Probably. Uh, yeah.
3: I was just saying, in case your question was spoilery, Ryan. But for anyone okay. listening, <laughs> if you haven't listened to Slayers,
0: now we will be going into spoilers. This one won't be, but we'll okay. have to. <laughs> um with all the continuity stuff and like the little detail work what really stuck out to me and gave me goosebumps outside of the fact that everyone was back and their voices are perfect and everyone sounds exactly the same and I was screaming um (laughs) other than that it was that like sound effects some like editing cuts like the way that the script would cut from a specific word to something funny happening in another scene that kind of resonates like there was things about it that were just so not just inherently Buffy, but like things Buffy kind- and Angel were kind of doing first. And I wonder, like, was it hard to be like, I I don't know how much you guys were involved in like the back end technical production, but was it hard to like pull all the punching sounds and like try to like make sure all the quips <laughs> go in the right place? Or did it just come naturally because you're so like immersed in the world?
4: Well, we got very lucky with Casey Wayland and his team. They are incredible. They did such a beautiful job. I mean, the time and effort that they put into Slayers and I don't know if you've if you got to listen to it at all in the Dolby Atmos, but they like spent like weeks like prepping 3D models all nighters
2: sleeping on the floor of the studio.
4: Yeah. But like they were prepping like where people where characters were standing, like within the Dolby Atmos, because it's I mean it's incredible and it's like they there's like a whirlwind effect at one point and this spinning vortex and they were like plotting that on this 3d diagram of where the sound was going to be for the whirling vortex I mean it was pretty incredible um and Casey was also great at choreographing the fight stuff when we were in studio we'd be like okay Casey you're the conductor and he'd be like okay and he'd point and that's a punch. There's a kick, and just point around to different people.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> we we were talking about that. We were like, I, I wonder if like did I just have Emma stand there and make like you know punching noise? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The amount of detail and to go into.
4: Let like me just that.
2: say the other thing about Casey is oh yes, that, like everybody else involved.
4: Uh, <laughs> He's multi. He is
2: an absolute mega fan, um, and. He's sometimes good at hiding it and other times really <laughs> good at hiding it. Um, but yeah, absolutely massive, massive fan. Um, and the only thing that made it better for him was um at New York Comic Con, we had a dinner, a cast dinner after on Friday night. And um, and Danny came and Danny hadn't been in the studio with us. And the only thing that Casey loves more than than Buffy the Vampire's I think, <laughs> is <the> Gilmore girls. <laughs> And it I think it almost cost Casey his marriage because his his (laughs) wife is an even bigger Gilmore girls fan and she wasn't there to meet Danny. (laughs) Um anyway, so sorry. I had to I had to share that. But yeah, Casey, we we were very fortunate. And it's funny, like spilling some tea and that we've told Casey this, like when we first met Casey over Zoom. We got off the Zoom and and said to each other, "Oh man, I I don't know if we're going to be able to work with this guy because I feel like he doesn't really want us there." Um, and which was
3: the opposite of of how it was. It, it just now. him trying to put on a front of like Well, no. It was
2: it was that you know he's used to he has worked with people before who, um, uh, you know, he views as people who who aren't familiar with the process. That they're that they're doing yeah. and maybe don't contribute that much. But once we got into the studio, the three of us worked together so well, and so we—I'd well. we, uh, work with him again anytime I, We loved it. He's
4: amazing, they're, and he's Mister Pickles. Yeah. Ah! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! We like—we're talking about that. We're like, I wonder if that's
3: Amber doing those munchy noises. That'd be really funny. <laughs> no, that's Casey. <laughs> that is Casey. Yeah, yep He's
4: Mister Pickles. I love um, that. <laughs>
1: we need to see the 3d
4: models
3: (laughs) so i'm not gonna lie amber i know you've seen the the very fucking nerdy images i do for the podcast i did a bunch of them for slayers just like scenes from like what could have been um i'll send them to y'all after this but i did some i'm gonna post with this episode as well and that was just like fun to do um but on the sound design and i mean this as the biggest compliment for me this sounded like And I'm not a big gamer, but I've had roommates who are. It sounded like the coolest fucking video game. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, with the music in the background, but you still hear the monsters. Like, they're not too loud, but they're there. And you can, like, picture them, especially, like... Specifically, the ghouls coming out when Spike's fighting them. Like, yeah. those noises were so specific, but they were so like, yeah, of course, that's a ghoul, as if that's real. <laughs> but like, yeah, that makes sense. This is a ghoul noise. We kept um, saying that. It sounds like the it, Buffy
1: universe. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, it it sounded, well, that's what we kept saying is that it sounded like I'm working on my computer and I have it playing on the TV off, just off, you know, to the side. And it, even especially that first episode, it, it sounded just like an episode.
0: Yeah, And yes. I was working on an audiobook Amazing. when this came out and it like nearly killed me producing <laughs> an audiobook. I have no idea <laughs> how they pulled this off, but like hats off everybody. The only thing I can compare it to was the Sandman production um, well, with the like yeah. level of, of just sheer effort that went into it. <laughs>
4: no that's another audible uk like that was sort of they they had done the sandman and that was sort of the the litmus test for not litmus, but this is sort of the test for uh my brain i'm i'm off coffee i've been off coffee the last week and my brain does not work anymore it's yeah, i'm on charge
2: i can give it up up. that's a that's a poor decision but okay i
3: know i know um (laughs) My brain's yeah. all over the place. I just restarted Adderall last week and I have a cold, so I'm on DayQuil. So we're in the same, <laughs> we're
4: in opposites of the same uh, basket. So yeah, not litmus. That is a totally different thing. Is but they were, That was the test of like, do these do these audio play or audio dramas really work? And I think Sandman did a beautiful job of that. And we built on that. We wanted to do what they were doing and add even more, um, and i think that's that dolby atmos stuff that is that if you listen to it in that world um in the like the the work is is incredible that casey did and his team they they're just they're brilliant cannot yeah just say enough how talented that whole group just beautiful and the cast
2: man i like oh yeah you know the first day that that charisma was sick the day before she was supposed to come in uh so the she was in a booth soundproof a sound booth the first day by herself uh and then James got sick James was in a booth for a good you know he could see everybody but um uh but he was in a booth the whole time and and it was great because he's like oh this is going to sound like crap but I want to be here for the cast I want to give them my performance so that we can work off of each other and and all this stuff and lay it down and and just the dedication the effort um that everybody showed like Emma is just a superhuman being uh, oh, you know uh and when she came out with that pup Yanka voice it changed my life forever <laughs> um you know and we don't we don't talk uh, we haven't talked about Leia which we should talk about Leia our new slay the Leia-less Leia the and um and also like Guys, uh if you didn't fall at least a little bit in love with Clem, then we didn't do our job right. Yeah. Oh,
1: from the from the first moment we heard him. Yes. Yeah.
0: Perfect Clem. Perfect Clem. The writing for Clem was so tight, so delicious. It really made the whole thing for me and I keep saying that about different stuff, but it really really did because it was like this is what the show does well. It takes a character that you kind of know. He's kind of around a little bit. You learn little tidbits. And then eventually this happened with Tara. Eventually it's like a main character that like, I have all these emotions I've cried about, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it It, it really, yeah. that was such an important part of it. And, and in addition, I actually was just going to bring up Indira and say, in addition, that could have gone wrong so easily. I have seen yeah. the like upstart sort of scrappy-do kind of energy go wrong, <laughs> especially in a reboot where it's like, especially where they're like a fan of the previous thing. It just, it can get yeah. cloying and annoying. It did not. Yeah. I love this Slayer. I love her story. And I want to know like what went into it that you guys were like, this is who this character has to be. um, And like, what, you know, what did your your actress bring to it and stuff? Because it really... It was a tough thing to pull off that you really pulled off. Yeah.
4: She was like, Indira was the perfect character to, to sort of, we were talking about info dumps. Like as as a novelist, Chris and I are both like very familiar with the info (laughs) dump moments where you're like, I have all this information, but now I'm just going to like drop it in like a, you know, two page, like little thing of like, here's all the information you need and it's boring and everybody hates it and (laughs) it's. But it's they're always necessary these sort of info dumpy moments. And I think uh, having this Indira character who is fresh eyes, she can take us in. She knows about the mythology and she can talk about it. and it it made it so that anybody who was unfamiliar with the Buffy universe at all could go in and listen to Slayers and be sort of informed because she's yeah. she is giving you all the information in a in a like very pleasurable way because Leia, is incredible. She is a movie star. Like that kid yeah. is just I say kid, that woman is she's brilliant. She is like so young and so wise and her performance is incredible and it's really funny because when Casey uh mentioned her, I just assumed he had worked with her before the way he was talking about her in these like glowing terms and only later did I find out no, he doesn't know her at all. It was a total cold call get. Um he had played a video game. The video game that she won a BAFTA for, I think,
5: mm-hmm. Um,
4: and just thought she'd be great Audible. for the part. Yeah, I love so, that. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, "Oh, this is this this person that Casey's worked with a bunch." The way he's talking about, "Nope, nope, we just got, we just got really lucky."
1: <laughs> just sitting in a gaming chair, yeah. Hearing the voice, yeah. Like that's the Slayer. Yeah. That's, that's the, the new that's Slayer. her. We got, we that's got,
2: her. We got so lucky with Leia. Um, she's an incredibly talented uh young woman, and it's and it's the the energy the charisma no pun intended the you know (laughs) there's so much and um and with the character i have to tell you i have an opinion about why it works uh as opposed to becoming cloying or whatever and and it works because even though she's a massive fan you know my daughter's just my daughter just turned 21 so she's only a little bit older than Leia is in this and um the reason I think that Indira works is because she's she worships the ground they all walk on. At the same time, she has no problem calling them out on their bullshit. And she has no problem, like, mocking them. One of my favorite <laughs> scenes is where she she gets Giles to realize that the reason he was probably chosen to be Buffy Slayer to begin with is because the Watcher's Council thought that he was expendable because he had been so much trouble himself. Yeah they were like, well, if anybody's going to deal with this, you know, girl who's a, who's difficult, let's send this guy because he probably can do it. But if he can't and he, and he dies, you know, well, so it's like, it's her, she's able to bring a unique perspective that feels like the conversations that fans have all the time.
1: Well, speaking of her being, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Do you want to go ahead? I was
0: just going to say, like, I, I talk about this on the podcast a lot and it's probably a form of mental illness, so. But (laughs) I think a lot, like, what would Buffy do? What would these characters do? Like, the characters that I relate to the most are the female characters, but it's because I feel in some ways they're the strongest characters and they're the characters who are the most engaged over the course of the series, both series and now Slayers, with, like, what is really the right and wrong thing to do here? Not, like, what I want or what I need to achieve, like... What makes me a bad person? What, what do, what, what, how selfish can I be? And I think what's interesting is that, like, this is a character who's similar to the fans have spent years, has spent years asking, like, if I was a slayer, what would I do? If I was a witch, exactly. what changes what I feel empowered to make? Yes. And, like, yes. I think what really hit for me was like, it, at the end of Buffy, it was like, there's this network, right? Like, of like women or queer people or whatever metaphor you want to see that can all decide to stand up and be leaders and you have a network together. Like it's sort of like a call for unionization, which I also love. Yeah. But the Indira thing to me felt like a, a, a the opposite sort of like a pullback and not in a bad way, in a way that's like, sometimes you find home with just one person. You don't need like a whole scary network. Like a business is not going to be your home. A professional network is not going to be your home. Like one person can be yeah. your home. And to me, having Indira be like this figure that, kind of counterbalances the what we saw as the result of like the Buffy story means that like it's got fresh places to go and I wonder if you guys thought about like you know Cordelia can't be like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Faith or whoever like they have to be really different and I wonder like you know going forward is there areas that you want to explore about like the idea of being chosen or there are are there ideas you want to explore that aren't about that like maybe being chosen is just something that happened and like like I wonder how much of those concepts are you feel like are are fruitful going forward with, with that character specifically.
2: Do you wanna
4: no, if,
2: so if, I, I mean I, I
4: know Chris has thoughts on this so yeah
2: I mean from from my perspective I just want to talk for a minute about Cordelia. This Cordelia to me Like, so the thing is like, look, I love the character of Buffy. I wrote her as much as anybody. I mean, I wrote what, 13 novels, two video games, a gazillion comics and other things. Love the character. But, but Buffy is a character who is very often in her own head uh, in the sense that like she'll go off and do something that is not taking into consideration all the repercussions you know sometimes there sometimes she can make really selfish decisions and and our cordelia is sort of the opposite of that in a way yeah. she's a character who is um who has suffered terrible loss like in, in a way that just will has scarred her forever and and you know has lost a lot of friends and is holding the ones that she still has very close but she's I hate to use the word, uh, she has a sort of military mindset in many ways, you know, um, because she's just looking at it like what needs to be done. Um, she's a
4: survivor. I think, it comes across.
2: Survivor. I think
1: military survivor. mindset is perfect, actually.
2: Yeah. What yeah. has to happen. And I think, you know, um, a million years ago in one of the Buffy novels, I wrote the line and I don't usually quote myself or remember anything I wrote, <laughs> yeah. but it always stayed with me, which is... Um, uh, a hero is someone who does what must be done and needs no other reason. They don't need another reason to do it other than it needs to happen. And I feel like that's Cordelia in so many ways, right? And so when we, when she and Indira meet, uh, there is an immediate, like, yes, it's a sort of sorority bond, but there's also definitely a sort of mother-daughter relationship going on there, Um because of all the things each one of them has lost. Um, And it's sort of like both of them have this, I didn't know I needed you until now. Like I didn't know I needed this in my life, but now I really realize that I do. Um, And I think Slayers has a lot of that with a lot of the characters, but anyway.
3: Chris, real quick, I wanted to, I saw that you were tweeting about the Marvels earlier because i was like "Ooh, if chris and I, if chris likes me i'm gonna ask him on for some marvel stuff because we cover <laughs> all the marvel movies um and i was thinking about kamala khan in relation to indira and i feel like both are such good examples of what you said where it's like they are fans but they are still like kamala learns that you know meeting your idols isn't always you know the best thing like she gets she calls carol on her bullshit in that movie she makes carol hug um Monica and that's for me such a tender moment to watch the teen of the group kind of be the emotionally mature adult in the room and you do that a lot with Indira and I love that like I think I think that shows like a, a like a level of care with writing a teen because right sometimes people can when people don't have the care, sometimes it's like, oh, the teen's just annoying and stupid, right? Like, yeah. it's so easy for someone to write. The same way it's easy for someone to write a character like Cordelia to just be, like, mean, who just likes fashion and nothing else. But, like, well, when you bring care, there's more,
2: right? Right. Every character uh, needs to have a reason to be there. Yeah. Especially when you're paying them a lot of money to be in the room.
3: <laughs> Fair. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Um, but yeah, no. The, the difference I would say between Indira and Kamala is that um, many of the things that that Kamala Khan says, she says because she she has no filter and her thoughts just come out uh, unintentionally. And and Indira is very intentional about calling people on their bullshit. Mm, yes. um, and I think it's because of the way she grew up. Anyway, well,
3: I was about to say it's probably one has the like family life and one does not, yeah, so one yeah. is a little bit like. Has to be tougher, right? Amber, have you? Do you also watch Marvel things? I didn't. I assumed that it wouldn't be your cup of
1: tea. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, fair.
4: <laughs> I've seen a few things here and there. That's fair. That's fair. I, that's fair. I big... feel you. That's
1: where I am. Zach is the same <laughs> way. Yeah, I watched Wandavision. Yeah, I amazing. did.
4: I watched that. Too. I watched that for Emma. I was like, <laughs> yes. coffee's on, and I'm watching it. <laughs> uh,
1: but that is I think like a really about a... the uh, the
2: the new theme by Mike Sowitzki.
4: Oh yeah. It is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Aww, yay! Yeah. We really wanted to have something that showed everybody right from the get-go that this is not, this is not your mother's Buffy. <laughs> um, not your grandma's Buffy. Um, Grandma, and, and, don't push and, it. <laughs> yeah. Grandma's right here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, grandma's me. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so so uh, I think that that was why we wanted to like reboot the theme and have it be a little different. Um, and we pulled a little bait and switch. Started it up off pretty 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 normal, and then totally Billy Eilish it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this version is like the the parallel world that we're going into. This version is a little darker and a little sexier.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I that. think it's a. I was so excited when Audible sent me like assets. They sent me that music file and I've like listened to it. I've been like putting it on playlists and listening to it randomly. It's like, it's so fucking good. And it's like a complete song. Um, so I guess I would be curious. Did you two have any input with doing that? Yeah.
4: Um. <laughs> yes uh uh not just because i live with the person who did that um, ah. <laughs> yes no no mike is uh, mike, a lot of
0: talent in one house wow <laughs> thank, you. thank you i I
4: will, I will tell him you said that uh yeah mike sowitski is my my partner and okay. um he is also a member of uh the band the eels and another band called dispatch and he's a he's a producer he produces uh, he produced one of Disp- or a bunch of Dispatch's albums and He's a composer. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, they're lovely, lovely and guys.
2: And he's an incredible guy. So <clears throat> and, 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 uh, and he and and I gave exactly the wrong suggestions for the theme. <laughs> and Mike was smart enough to to basically say that's dumb. Let's not do that.
4: Um, dumb, dumb wasn't the word. I think we wanted <laughs> we, we wanted I, from talking about it. Chris and I wanted something that felt different um but ha- how you do that you can do it you can do that in multiple ways and I think this way felt like you said a little darker and a little sexier which I, I think our world is like, the mean, I, yeah the shadow pocket yeah the shadow pocket I mean come on Zach,
3: like, when... Zach loved the shadow pocket in case he can't tell
2: <laughs> <laughs> no but it's we like also, when... uh, yes there was a lot of there was a lot going on in that shadow pocket <laughs> and, um, but there was also a lot going on uh in the studio during that scene and also during several of the scenes with Amber and Juliet Landau. Oh my god. Um
4: please tell. That, yes, I really it's, want to. It's, uh, it's really it's unfair to be in a room with Juliet cuz she's so amazing. <laughs> that woman is incredible. Um <laughs> but you look across you're in this room and you look across and she's looking at you with those Drusilla hungry <laughs> eyes. Holy, my God. Um, you start to sweat a little bit. It's, it's, it's very intoxicating. I will say like, I got a little, I got a little nervous, a <laughs> little, little verklempt. Uh, um, and everybody yeah. in the
2: room, there would, there would be this moment they'd finish a take and there'd be like a second or two of silence. <laughs> and then there'd be that nervous laughter from everybody <laughs> in the room like that was a little hot and we're we're not
4: okay um, <laughs> no and then and then like she and as she and James have the same like the the drusilla spike like i mean that i that is insane that that chemistry they just are on that fire. aching
2: yeah aching voices and the chemistry between the two of them is madness oh, yeah, yeah. And of course we've had we've had lots and lots of of feedback for from people who are like, what's going on with Spike and Cordelia?
3: <laughs> I, I will say, I loved, so we're talking spoilers, I loved where you left it of Cordy being like, don't flirt with me, and him being like, well, you're hot, but okay, I get it. Like, I, I appreciate that so much that it, because it's, again, would have been easy to be like, oh, they're both hot, yeah. they're going to hook up, you yeah. know? And I would have gotten it, but I think I liked it better Way better where y'all where you left it of, yeah, they're a little flirty, but that's it. It's not, you know, she's not interested in him. He probably would be if she pursued him. I'm not saying Spike would say no, but where we leave it is like,
0: we're good. Spike has a type, let's say, and she fits into the type at this point. (laughs) But I think it's good that we didn't immediately go there. Like, we, we got some sense of like, yes, this would probably start happening, but both of those are characters that like developed stuff like that over time.
2: Yep. Well, let's just say again, we're hoping for another season Uh and we're not going to tell you what our plans are, Um yep. but, but it's, but our plans are not straightforward. So it's, you know. Perfect.
1: We don't like straight over here. Yeah, no. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, no, I mean, so, that, oh, that, that's yeah. also something that I think was really important to, to myself and to Chris is that this is the, the world it's twenty. 2023 right now in our world but in their world it's only 10 years but like it's still enough that like the world i live in is a very diverse world where there there are all kinds of interesting people who are not just you know Heteronormative white people. Yeah. Um.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, and as vampires, Spike and Drusilla, they're vampires who've been around forever. Yeah. There's, you know, heteronormative is just not a thing for them, right? And so.
4: Exactly, exactly. Uh, and and it's just
1: everything, all of their dialogue together, by the way, is like just brilliant. You don't even have <laughs> to have them talking about their past, and just their voice acting, the dialogue, and all their entire history comes through with just a couple exchanges.
3: Was that difficult? Did you have to like with them or at all? I mean, the two of them are so freaking good. It's wild that I have to remind myself that those aren't their real like speaking voices. I know,
4: I know. Did it like it's a little I... jarring when you, yeah. <laughs> you hear
3: those? I always remember like forever ago when Jillian Anderson came back to the X-Files and she said she had trouble getting back into Scully because she was so different actually in person. Yeah. And Scully was. Did any of you, like, I think of the two of them come to mind first with, like, getting back into those accents they did 20 years ago. But did any of you have trouble? Like, did it take a while? Did it take a while for you to get back into, like, the chemistry
0: or anything? Especially in a new recording dynamic. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're on set and you're like, well, I'll kind of get back into the mindset because I'll see the house or I'll see the magic box.
4: I think we 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 made it a lot easier for people because the majority of of the characters were were from other alternate universe from an alternate universe. So if there were discrepancies, it didn't matter because these were not Fair. the characters that. So I think that was actually very helpful. But I think there was some worry, like is James going to be able to be Spike again? And Chris and I are like, ha, 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 come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I James Don't loves worry. doing that
3: Spike voice. He's done a yeah, few videos for no my podcast. Worries. Yeah. And he is always so nice. He does a spike. I would never ask someone Aww. to do the voice, but I've been like, oh, do you mind recording this? And he was like, I'll do it in Spike's voice. And just because he <laughs> feels like doing it. I
2: that, that James has probably dropped into the Spike voice on every panel he's ever been <laughs> yeah. on at some point. It's, I mean, I'm just like, I'm guessing.
4: Not, thought, I mean, not been even thinking waiting. about it. But not even thinking about it. I think yeah, it's right. just such a part of him. It's, um, yeah, it's who among H- us?
2: If, if
0: I <laughs>
4: that <laughs> It's and like not it's only like when... that though. Y'all got him to, to
1: obviously have to do the voice right, but y'all got him to sing a little <laughs> bit. From once more with feeling,
4: the gay gasp. I let out. You could have ended it there. You could have ended the series there.
1: Collected an easy check, and we'd all been happy.
4: (laughs) Trying, yeah, that was that was trying to get all the rights. Because you would think, oh, this is all part of the same thing, but it's actually a different kind of right to get that. Like there were a lot of things that we had to like fight to make sure because it wasn't part of what we could. It wasn't part of the sandbox we were playing in. You'd be like, okay, so who do we have to talk to in order to get? them to be able to sing that bit and then I, I
1: appreciate you for taking the effort to yes. do that to you.
3: yes. I, I always think about Zach and I just for um our horror podcast My Bloody Judy interviewed the showrunner of um the horrors of Dolores Roach. Of course uh, yeah. uh Dara Resnick, super great super wonderful and she actually was telling us just to even have Jamie Lee Curtis's name on a billboard they had to like get the rights to be able to say her name and like I didn't realize how much of that
2: goes into things like
3: that. There's I
4: so that's much. wild. Yeah. 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 It's a,
2: it's a process, are, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a long process. Um, But also, uh, you know, we have, we, we did have some interesting stuff with charisma where, you know, she, she was playing a version of Cordelia that was not familiar to her. So I think that like, she was sort of focused on figuring out what this yeah. new Cordelia was supposed to be. Oh. Uh, yeah. And so, so, that was interesting but as far as people falling back into um you know emma did it in the moment she was like you know like trying to find the voice of anyanka trying to find the voice of anya um what about you amber like we never talked about it i mean it was you had to do three different taras so
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i it just i think i I didn't have time to think about it quite frankly Um, we were we we're like i would be behind the the thing the the table with casey and chris while we're directing and then it'd be like okay we're doing a scene with taryn i just go running over there <laughs> i didn't have time to think about anything and just did it then i'd come running back over to the table to move on to the next scene um and thank god chris and casey were there to make sure that i sounded functional um <laughs> yeah I I just it was so it was so cr- it was so bananas. Like what we did was so bananas. Was make sure so you're
1: bananas. standing there just throwing different terror voices. All <laughs> yeah. that's, them, uh, literally, like, that's what she through. had to do, and that's, yeah. that's what Emma had to
2: do. Yep. And, and like sometimes you're acting against yourself. You yep. had to do like three different voices at the same time, <laughs> yep. basically. Yep. But it was also like you know, basically the only the only times that we had any any notes for you would be like I'd be like okay on the on the evil queen scale come down Uh, from 11 to like an eight yeah (laughs) you know like evil queen's
4: fun I mean but we (laughs) were still yeah we were still in the throes of COVID so we were getting there super early to test everybody had to test Uh. you know it was still like some distancing stuff and like a lot of times we ate outside at the studio I mean it was we were definitely still in it and so that made things really bananas on top of just everyone was we we, what we had five days in the studio chris
2: uh was
1: it it only
4: four four or five no it was definitely
2: it was at least five
4: maybe five to seven we we didn't have a lot of time in the studio (laughs) five
1: to seven for the whole the whole season yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. oh yeah and that's the
2: crazy well but but i will say that like a lot of the extras and stuff were recorded separately but for the main cast, it was. I, it that might have been wild. seven full, like seven days, because was it? I feel like it was Monday through Friday and then Monday and Tuesday the following week.
1: But I could be wrong. Yeah,
4: maybe. maybe. No, you're right. I think it's seven days. That's not even days. a full
1: day for an episode. Nope. Yeah. What, there's nine episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Nope. And yeah. again, again,
2: kudos to Casey, because he had created an extraordinary guide so he had already worked out you know so that we could make sure that people didn't have to sit around for for a day waiting for their scenes he had broken it up because the whole thing was recorded out of order um which
4: was people people's schedules i mean you know charisma and and james had just been at a convention and so like we're sort of trying trying to work it around so that they came back and had a moment to like breathe get functional yeah um I mean, it's just everyone's schedules were bananas and trying to get it all done in this short amount of time. And then, you know, we did do some extra, you know, like Chris was saying, there were extra things that we did. Like we recorded Danny on his own in, in New York. You know, we recorded Juno Dawson in the UK. And Tony, a lot of his stuff was not with everybody. We we had a full day of recording with him. Yeah, and, the stuff he
2: did with Fina, we recorded on a separate yeah,
4: day. Yeah, he and Fina, all of their stuff was a totally separate separate record. So there we, were little like, couple of hours here a couple of hours there leading up to the big report um and then we had two days of of uh loop group which was everybody coming in and doing all the monsters and all the ancillary voices and all of the like anything that that like that is in there that is not one of the the main cast um and they were incredible they were so good we we got so lucky with such a good good group of people in fact ali costa Uh, Who introduced Chris and I, she actually came in and did a bunch of voices. And my friend, Amanda Troop, who's a a big loop grouper came in and like, just, just killed it. Um, No, we were really, really lucky. We had such a good group all the way around.
3: So you mentioned bringing back Olivia. I, I'm curious what went into that because we all loved loved that surprise and died. Loved...
1: Threw my phone across the room.
3: We we like <laughs> talked about what that wedding would have looked like.
1: We were like, well, what that wedding look
3: like? <laughs> like, who would have been invited?
4: Who wouldn't have been invited? Have, have you met Fina? Mm-mm. Fina is fabulous. I've done a couple of conventions with her in the UK, and she is just so much fun. Such a like, just like over the top, fabulous, just <laughs> just awesome. So both of us were like, well, how do we include Fina in this? We just adore her.
3: So you're saying I got to get her on the podcast. That's what she's- You you really should. should. She is,
4: you you, you do not know what's going to come next.
2: (laughs) Well, and again, it's also like, look, uh, Giles deserves his happy ending. He does. If any man from that show deserves a happy ending, it is Giles. Right. (laughs) He has been hit on the head enough times
3: <laughs> so should retire now so many concussions. A cte
2: yeah one of one of yeah. my uh
3: one of our regulars who hasn't been on in a while meg Ellison, she's a writer mm-hmm. i don't know if you've heard of her she writes like sci-fi fantasy yep. novels she wrote a piece for i think it was Sci-Fi wire about how like giles is the only like non-toxic man like that she ever saw on tv in general and like coming from buffy was wild and like how like he was like a father figure to a lot of us. And it really was like we described here in Giles's voice again was like, "Oh, Dad's back." Like, oh, like it felt yeah.
2: very Honestly, annoying. that's literally how everybody responded when Tony came up on the big screen in the studio. <laughs> he brought his um the Mr. Giles nameplate from the library into the I studio in London and held it up so that everybody <laughs> could see it. Yeah. <laughs> And you you see everybody like,
4: (laughs) oh, he's just, just the sweetest, such a kind, kind human. Just good people. Chris, I know that you probably
3: are like, encyclopedia of Buffy knowledge, the way. Not as much as
4: you, not as
3: much (laughs) as you guys. But Amber, I know like, and this isn't, it was a, I know it was a job for you. It was a job that you worked, you know, and it was a job. So I don't always remember. I'll have people quote this podcast back to me. And I'm like, when did I say that? And they're like, "Oh, remember in like you when you covered Buffy season 2 I'm like, "Oh God, that was five years ago. I don't remember." Did you need like? And it was fully understandable. If the answer is yes. A refresher. Was there anything that you like didn't remember or anything you had to like get filled in on? Oh, Do yeah. you ever watch the show? Is what that? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the question,
1: please?
4: <laughs> um, you know, I I had I had watched a couple of the first episodes because I actually knew Allison Hannigan pre being on Buffy. And so I'd, I'd watched the, like the first two to be like, Oh, Allison's show. Don't, you know, and then I didn't watch it again until uh, I was on the show and they would actually, we would, <laughs> we would go into work and on, I was at the night, whatever day it aired for lunch, they would play that night's episode. So everyone would watch it while we were having lunch. um So, so, and yeah, so I watched it in, 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 you know, three three years worth of it, and in the lunch, you know, cafeteria.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um,
4: but I am, I, I, and and my my partner Mike will contend, will 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 uh, back me up on this. I'm terrible with details. I am not a detail person. I'm a big picture person. So even things that I just am like obsessed with, I do not remember the details. Oh. I don't remember lyrics to songs. That's I right. make up lyrics to songs. To I I, I don't know the lyrics to anything. I'm like, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, had a wife and could not feed her. Like, we don't need another hero. There we go. That's what I thought it was my whole life. Um, Yeah. I just make up, make up shit. So, so even if, even if like, I was like the the most diehard of Buffy fans, I would still need. I'd be like, well, what was the thing with the thing that they did the thing with? I Um, will sometimes
3: have people on this podcast that like trump my knowledge. And I'm like, damn. I'm impressed like yeah. Yeah.
4: well <laughs> yeah. speaking
0: of some of that like little a lot of the ties in and like bits of characters and stuff I have a I have a kind of a minor question but also a big question you brought back <laughs> Amy which I loved we needed to see an Amy moment but for you was it exciting okay you're part of an iconic couple in tv history right like yes it, it will forever be it's yes. in like textbooks Similar to Spike and Drew, they had each other, though, right? Like, they could lean on that dynamic to get back to wherever they were with the character. You obviously weren't working with Allison on this project. Um, Were you excited for the freedom from being Willow and Tara to be the Tara that we all, like, that we all got to love over the years? Um, And if so, Hmm. was the Amy thing kind of a way to give us some like Amy tara interaction which we've all been like, <laughs> kind of craving
4: um well i'll i'll uh hit the amy part first first of all we reached out and uh you know the original amy is not really an actor anymore i think she's a mom um elizabeth so um yeah we actually reached out to our friend jessica gardner who is awesome and we were like hey can you <laughs> can you come be Amy Madison and she's like oh yeah oh yeah I'll come <laughs> be Amy Madison for you no problem but Chris and I were like oh well, this is our friend Jess who's super talented but we don't know like how much she likes Buffy or not we didn't we weren't sure so uh we had prepared some stuff for her just so she would know what Amy she came in she'd already done all the research she knew everything she was like she was like oh you're piffling little research i've like gone into a deep dive down the amy madison rabbit hole and had all of it ready to go so jess just just knocked nailed it, it out of the park she totally nailed she it was, um
3: i had to look up to make sure it was i was like
4: is that her i'm not sure if that when is when
3: she them. finished
2: in the studio i looked at her and i was like that was amazing and jess <laughs> just looks over at me and goes i'm an actress <laughs> <laughs> I, that's something oh, yeah. ryan would that's do that's something right well, would like the Amy she, confidence. she killed it i mean she was so perfect and she was just like oh, of, of, i got this what do you she was just blowing it off completely um, <laughs> well amber before you you go back to the larger part of that question yes. uh i want to say that i was thrilled to to i was going to say uncouple in the sense of trains but that comes out wrong I was I was thrilled to separate. are you separate. going to
4: the naughty place, Chris? No, no,
2: no, no. I, I was, that's where your brain always goes. The naughty place, Amber. Um no, I, I was thrilled to to detach Tara um from Willow and Tara. Yeah. To have Tara uh Tara's story not be defined by her relationship with Willow. And again, that's why I'm so enthusiastic about hopefully being able to continue but continue go ahead sorry
4: um no i mean that relationship is is really special like it's it's an important relationship just um as it is uh, whether it's connected to a show or not like it it is it is it was important and it was it was at a time when you didn't you didn't have that that there weren't there weren't a lot of those relationships on television Uh, in in, in the public consciousness and so i you know like i said like i've always said i'm just so honored that i got to participate in that in that relationship um but for slayers we were kind of like this is a different version of tara this is not the same tara so if we give her the same things then we're just rehashing what's already happened yeah and we wanted to do something different with her we wanted to, to to try a different sort of like path for because she's a different tara and i didn't i didn't want to go back over what we'd already done and allison wasn't you know we weren't she wasn't part of this slayers well it wasn't a part of this story so it felt it felt funny to try and like shoehorn something in without right. her being there um so yeah i was i was excited to sort of take her in a new direction but to keep the kindness and the goodness that is inherent in that character, whatever universe that she's in um, to make sure that that was always underneath that when that's where the good Tara voice like spoilers abound, but the good Tara voice was that, that good con that, that, that like, like you were saying that morality, that like black and white, like what is, what is good? What is evil? How, how do, how do we, how do I stay a good person? That was always underneath her, even with the darkness that sort of had taken, taken her over. I wanted very much for that to still be there because so many people are connected to that character and feel the feels for that character and and I wanted to be respectful of that. Um, but yeah, it was it was just if if it had been in our universe it would have been I think we would have had to like address the Willow Tara stuff. I think that it's important and and it would have been necessary. but because she was a different universe, Tara, it didn't feel right to, to go in that direction.
1: Oh Lord. Could you imagine if you just brought original terror back just to kill her again? And then
4: the country collapses. Yeah, (laughs) no, I just, (laughs) it was awful the first time and I don't want to participate in it. Even I don't, I, I want to be posthumously away from that. You know, like I know it's over, (laughs) but like, I just want to remove all of it. I want to lose the, the whole, the whole thing and just, she's happy. She's with yeah. Willow. They're living a, their best lives and their Airbnb, or sorry, their, their B&Bing, <laughs> you know, like their, their adorable little cottage in Maine somewhere with 50 cats, you know, doing cats.
5: doing Reiki
4: <laughs> and like making granola and... You know, like that's the world I want for, for I want to go
1: smoke weed at that compound.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Right? That
1: sounds perfect. A you know, um,
4: li- little microdosing, like little. you
1: did get to so New Terra, speaking of New Terra, Dark Terra. Um this is where this is where the gay enters the chat, right um, <laughs> What did y'all picture they were wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Because this is we a conversation that we had at the end episode. of every
3: episode. Because you know, we would be like, "What do we think this character was wearing? What do we think that we love?
0: Yeah, a description Tara of theirs. Well. If you could, clearly got the bulk of the budget
2: on yeah the, <laughs> the outfits.
0: Well,
4: <laughs> I, I was gonna say there's like a full boudoir of like sexy lady under things <laughs> yes. in 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 black and charcoal <laughs> maybe yeah. a, maybe a little bit of neon pink here and there for for, for tara oh um, <laughs> that's
3: a spicy day <laughs>
4: yeah yeah lots of frilly lacy little 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 bits um, <laughs> some did you say pasties <laughs>
0: no so, but let's let's go with that <laughs> go some with pasties, like, some, dude, like
4: yes. some like bicycle like um you know the little the little the things that hang off the bike, the fringe on the edge of the, bicycle oh, yeah, the yeah, bars yeah. do a tassels. little like tassel. little tassels thank you little little <laughs> neon pink tassel pasties now you're spoiling
1: purple. season two that's <laughs> that's why <laughs> she, while she's wear, reading the grimoire <laughs> just yeah. sitting there you
2: know yeah drusilla has a dungeon so just <laughs> run with that
4: <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> there's some latex involved <laughs> um you know I got really good at getting out of like handcuffs um
3: <laughs> so I'll tell you what I pictured was um because I remember and just because this you so you've been on the podcast I think twice before this mm-hmm. I always think of you saying you were haunted by the dress once more with feeling like you go yeah. in your trailer and suddenly really? you're, there, and you'd be there. like oh more shots to pick up for last. Yep, Gorgeous. Yep. And you oh, looked and great no, it was, in it,
4: was, it. It was awesome. But it would show up just like we'd be working on a totally different uh, episode. And all of a sudden I walk in my trailer and the dress is hanging. I'm like, hmm, are we reshooting something from the musical episode? Hmm. So I kept
3: picturing that, but, like, a dark version. So I was picturing, oh, like, I black like that. and, like, a dark purple and, like... Very
4: bodice. Yeah. A little, like, little like, like, huzzah for the big tipper boobie. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a what Ren I picturing. Fair, <laughs> a Renfair boobage and,
1: yeah. What about on Yonka? What did y'all picture on Yonka's, like, entire look to be? Chris? <laughs> I mean, honestly, um,
2: I have... I, I, I confess that... Uh, You know, Amber has always called me the big hairy lesbian, but clearly I'm not gay enough um, (laughs) for this conversation. Uh, I really pictured Anyanka mostly just demonic rather than clothed. Okay. I imagine she probably wasn't naked the whole time. No. So. um,
4: I feel like it was like ripped like like cinderella peasant like attire all ripped up and dirty blood stained we were we talked we did make
1: cordelia a vampire slayer too though so i do want to know again i'm going to push you what was cordelia wearing
4: (laughs) oh i feel like she was definitely like like leather based there's a lot of leather like red red leather pants like she's got a little bit of the buffy thing going on there's a you know, i think that 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 slayer leather mystique yeah. kind of it just infiltrates yeah, you all know, the multiverse I, I
2: agree with you but at the same time since since charisma in studio was more into the athleisure uh she was yes i i, I kind of <laughs> figure cordelia's wearing like lulu um, ivy park
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> listen you can do a liquid legging with a lululemon top we've all done it Ooh, <laughs> i
3: like that that <laughs> and works I, I will say i feel comfortable saying this especially with what you said chris charisma even said when she was on the podcast I think I asked her something like, what's the difference between you and Cordelia? And she was like, there's not much of a difference between me and Cordelia these days. <laughs> like, so yeah, sure. Like what Charisma's wearing is what Cordelia would wear. I would go with that as well.
4: <laughs> Super styling any way you cut it is yeah. what I have to say. So
3: real quick, as we're wrapping up, I just have to ask real quick, one more thing about Slayers is the ending. So again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We have Vampire Giles and we have Willow. Is... Are there, is that setting up for season two? Is that something that we are going to, you know, um, see possibly?
2: So so when you write something like this, one of the things that you want to do is, um, is plant a lot of seeds without knowing what you're going to be able to water. Fair. Um, and so uh, we, we will have to wait and see. Okay.
0: <laughs> Follow up on that similar but you don't have to answer this because we're, we're all waiting and seeing um the drusilla of it all has caused a lot of discussion on this podcast on the subreddit fan instagram accounts is drusilla redeemable the way that spike is obviously they're both sociopaths and spike had to go get a soul in order to be like a human being in some sense but do we feel that that character could be redeemed or is she just a, the epitome of vampireness? and there's it's hard to separate the like real person
2: Amber do you wanna I I have an answer but go ahead um we'll see I if we agree I
4: I I Amber Benson always feels like everybody for the most part can be redeemed um oh, that's my opinion and I don't know <laughs> if it's
0: popular but it is what I keep saying on this podcast
4: but I imagine Chris probably feels the other way
2: um my feeling is that if you gave Drusilla a soul she would be uh hospitalized.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, yes. Oh yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that because, to her. Yeah. Let her. Let her be bad. No yeah. bad. Yes.
2: If you gave her a soul, there's no question that she's psychotic.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
2: And yeah. she's absolutely like, she right. loves Spike and she's, she loves hard and she's, uh, you know, means all of these things. But if you gave her the ability to feel empathy and responsibility for uh, all of the things that she's done she's already psychotic she would be uh in in an institution for the rest of her life (laughs) that
3: is that is fair that is honestly like not even like metaphorically but like literally she would it would like we saw
0: it happen a little bit with darla like on angel like she just started like cracking a little i mean even just remembering the things you did when you have empathy for other people how could you sleep at night you know like well i'll tell you if you want to be we love her
2: (laughs) we want to be like massive geeks i will tell you that that in one angel story that i wrote for dark horse um i i explored this idea angel talks about it and he says the worst thing about having his soul was that he could still remember all of the things he did when he didn't have his soul and they're good memories so that's know. the worst thing is to remember all of these horrifying things and your physical response to the memory mm. is initially like oh that's a happy memory but wait i eviscerated that girl <laughs> you yeah know? yeah and um, you
3: kind of you guys kind of touch upon that with anya and anyanka yeah no
4: for sure I mean, for sure That's going
0: to be tara's next you know a couple of years is picking yeah. apart what that was <laughs> yeah. no, there. for sure
4: for sure all the awful things that she did yeah
3: But okay, so we have, I, just a little bit, I have some questions that the folks in our Patreon Discord um, asked. I asked everyone if they had any questions. Rapid fire, we'll do quick, whatever. Um, The first question is from Trevor Carley. He does, I don't know if either of you have ever seen them. He did our animations for our YouTube videos and he does Lego Buffy animations where he like takes the audio. and super cool. Super cool. He asked, uh, how did the audio format influence your approach to telling the story in the Buffyverse?
4: I mean, it's, it is a very different way of, of telling a story because you have to think in terms of, you know, um, you don't have the visuals. So you have to use, you have to use words and sound effects to explain what is happening, where you are in, 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 in like setting location, what is, what is actually happening physically. Um, so you have to be really mindful of that stuff. And Chris and I had worked on, uh, another, uh, audio, uh, uh project called the ghost of albion so we had a little bit of of history with that but still like it really does inform all right how many locations how do we set this location up how do we make sure everyone understands what's happening you really do have to think of it in in, in terms of, of 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 an um an auditory you know it's it's, it's an audio story mm. so it characters yeah you
2: have it, to say other characters names more than they do yes if you're being if you're able to see who they're speaking to you know
3: Um, So, Troy asked, uh, I need to know everything about Mr. Pickles, who named him and why?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Chris, do you want to you want to take on Um, Mr. Pickles of it?
2: Yeah, Mr. Mr. Pickles was definitely mine. Um, (laughs) I didn't know Casey was going to play him at the time, but I'm so (laughs) glad he did because he brought real life and character to Mr. Pickles. Um, You know, the ideal thing is that, like, you know, uh, Tara needed somebody to bounce off she needed somebody to be able to emote with and speak to so we could communicate things speaking of being audio yeah communicate things that the audience can't see and um and at the same time you know the idea of like so we have witches familiars which they didn't really do uh much of on the show um but we in in this world you know anya has Jasper is her familiar and, and
4: Tara has Mr. Pickles. <laughs> I love me some Mr. Pickles.
3: <laughs> I, we all love Jasper. I have to say um, our editor, oh. Ashley, she has a little terrier that is white and that's, she sent us the picture of her dog in like a little sweater. Um, and that's what we all kept picturing throughout the series. Oh, of for reading. Sure, for yeah. Sure. Like a little white terrier who's yapping. Um, okay. So uh, Julian asked, did you all get to do everything you wanted to do with this series?
4: Oh, no. We, that's why we want like five more seasons. <laughs>
3: <laughs> fair. Fair. We also do. We um, can never be satisfied. Hannah asked this for you, Amber. Um, acting, directing, those are collaborative art forms. While writing is a solitary one. What skills transfer over between these disciplines?
4: Oh, that's it. Wow. That's a, a, <laughs> yeah. an interesting question. Um, Well, writing actually with Chris is very collaborative because it's not just me alone. We're like bouncing stuff off each other, sending each other stuff. I'm going through what he did and making changes and vice versa. And so it is actually writing in this format with somebody else is very collaborative. That's why writer's rooms for TV shows are very similar. It's very collaborative. Um, But I think uh, the skills that you you need as an actor, a writer, director, any of those things, you need to be able to listen (laughs) That's really important. You need to be able to listen and hear, not just not just like take it in, but actually like hear what people are saying, because it is, these are all collaborative mediums. And so the ability to, to, to synthesize and take in what somebody is telling you and not just like have it go in one ear and out the other is really important.
3: Cool, cool. And Chris, this question is for you from David. He asked if you had a favorite of the Buffy books you wrote from back in the day.
0: Good question. The-
2: um- <laughs> Honestly, I think my favorite is uh, is always. We, well, I loved doing the Lost Slayer, which is the uh, serialized novel where Giles is the vampire king in the far future. Um, but uh, I think my favorite to write was Spike and Drew Pretty Maids All in a Row, um, which was my World War II, <laughs> Spike and Drew novel.
0: Oh God,
3: I love that. I. Um, you'll appreciate this, Chris. One of the a few years ago, like I want to say, like eight years ago or six years ago, when I went on me and my ex went on vacation with my parents, and I had met them at their house, and we all like flew out of Philly together. And I was still living in New York at the time, but I was like, "Oh shit, I left my books at home." What books do I have here <laughs> in my parents' house? And it was all the old Buffy books that you wrote. You and Nancy <laughs> Holder's books were on a shelf in my parents' basement, and I was like well, I guess I'm bringing these. And I brought a bunch of those to reread while on va- And I did reread them and they all still held up. So <laughs>
2: thanks. They were really, they were really fun. Really fun. I have um, a, a
0: specific time in my life when I could start purchasing Buffy books. And until then it was me at the library. <laughs> and I eventually worked there and the entire staff knew that for years, I just had the Buffy books coming in and out, comic books, like I was, and then I would do like, Oh, I would have like interlibrary loans for the DVDs, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) I was going through my collection the other day and it was like, oh, this is the point at which I had disposable income. (laughs) And it's all of which to say thank you for years of entertainment.
4: Well, and Um, yay, libraries, no
0: banning books. Hell yeah.
3: We have so many authors on this podcast who are clearly like identify LGBTQ that have had their books banned at different schools and
2: states. So it's ridiculous. that's the reading list. I love. Uh, I love that Pink just did that. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, Pink has purchased thousands of books from uh, banned book lists for kids.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. Um, That's
2: yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love it. And um, yeah, totally cool.
3: Cool. Well. Thank you both for doing this. It's always a pleasure oh, talking to you. Um
0: one final question. We, oh, yeah. <laughs> who have you heard from that has given you your snaps? Either like people in your life, other former cast members, any writers, like have has the what has the response been like? I need to know.
4: Oh, I mean, everybody. I, it's, it's been kind of insane how wonderful the response has been. Like, I, I also don't go on the social media, Reddit stuff looking. I, I just, I, I don't need, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole because for every yeah. lovely comment, there is one that is not lovely. Always. It's such <laughs> and a And that's bummer. the one you remember. Yeah. And it's always the one you remember for the 50 good ones. It's the yeah. one cruddy one. Um, but I've had so many people reach out and tell me congratulations. And, uh, you know, my family, Like trying to explain to my dad what he's 85, what oh, this yeah. is, where he can hear it, how he can hear it. Is it a TV show? What is it again? Uh, but, <laughs> but he's very proud of me.
1: Radio <laughs> program, daddy. <laughs> my
3: my mom would call it my radio show. Oh, and My, my dad mom. still fully understand
4: it. Yeah. And I'm sending you, you love know, for your mom. Thanks, and, Amber. Um, I appreciate that.
2: I've heard from all kinds of people since since it debuted, um, and that's wonderful. Um, and you know, it's just it's great to hear from them and to have people be excited and have people be proud of you. But um, nothing matters as much as seeing how happy and proud the cast has been.
3: That's nice. Yeah, that uh, is
2: really nice. So you know, oh, I ha- and I have to say, honestly, if if I'm if we're spilling tea. Um, we are. James Leary brought his sons to New York Comic Con, and they're amazingly like polite, such kind young kids. men. Uh, yeah. Just such good guys, and to see how proud they were of their dad—that um, so was everything. That was everything. Yeah,
3: that, yeah, that, everything. Is,
2: yeah. that, that is so, so, so
3: nice. nice. And he's so—he's been on too. He's so nice. Oh, the nice night
2: so nice. You know to see charisma so happy you know um to see amber exhale
0: yeah <laughs> this year's comic-con was like a victory lap like i i went yeah. i roller skated because i live on the upper west side i Aww. roller skated my ass all the way down took pictures in front of the ads it was like
4: did you do the the uh the event did you go into the the um the site yeah. was that yeah. not incredible incredible what are they what what is it called it's not i called the the activation the activation the activation was incredible at new york comic-con they uh, audible outdid themselves it was beautiful what an incredible super bowl i was like this is (laughs) yeah this
3: is so cool (laughs) well now i will thank you both thank you for doing this thank you i want to tell everyone how nice the two of you were about organizing this we did it us just three of us emailing and i like that's, i really appreciate the both of you like taking time to like email with me and set this up and come on oh and God. talk to me of
2: course um yes. thanks thank very you nice so thank um, You and-
4: guys for listening and for enjoying it It's yeah. and the kind things you said like it, it really like does impact both of us we feel like we've done something important and special and and seeing your responses because you guys are, are like the ultimate fans you know? Well, I hope, I'll I really it. hope.
1: I'll take it, sure. Yeah, yes. I
4: will take it. I hope you both have <laughs> felt
1: the love because. I'm going to use that as a quote too. I'm going to put that, I'm telling tell everybody. <laughs> Amber said, Benson said this. Amber Benson said, I am the ultimate Buffy fan. <laughs> when, I,
3: when I have a Slayer fest 98 ad somewhere, it'll say, you guys are the super fans, Amber Benson.
1: <laughs> we're, he, Ian and I are pretty sure we're going to be in the nursing home together. So it'll just be us screaming <laughs> from our individual rooms at each other. Remember, we're and- <laughs> watching the <DVDs. laughs> Well, listen, you guys have
0: done some really wonderful work that has changed my life in a positive way and then you came back on a on a big white horse to do it again and it's so great so we can't wait to see you do it 10 more times and then a movie yes
1: yeah <laughs> <Hey. Well>, speaking <laughs> of okay well we'll get into yeah. like promoting everything giving everybody i have to do this just if anybody just wants to let them disney turn this into <laughs> an animated show we'd all be here yeah. for it we would love it yeah. we'd love it a la harley quinn these things are out there invincible Th- we this, talk about it. This could, we could have a buffy verse animated series. I think it's
2: well time. listen, you know, uh we have laid the groundwork for uh the ability to tell all kinds of stories yeah. uh, in this new world. So all right. I'll well
3: thank you both and tell everyone uh where they can find you. And you have a new novel that is coming out or just came
2: out, Chris, right? Uh my new novel, The House of Last Resort, will be out in January from St. Martin's Press.
3: And where can they find you on social media and everything?
2: I'm, well, I'm, I'm all over social media. I'm easy to find.
3: (laughs) Fair, fair. Uh, Amber, anything you want to promote or have anyone follow you? (laughs) No. So (laughs) aspirational. As the most, the easiest, the most easygoing person I've ever interviewed, I knew you were going to be like, man, no big deal. (laughs) When, did you? ever Did either of you watch the Hot Ones? With Elizabeth Olsen. When he's like, "Where can everyone find you?" and she's like, "I live in New York." And he's like, "I mean your work." That
4: reminded me of you. Like, That's, so That's amazing. But all right, everyone, uh, we will
3: see you next time. And thank you both so much. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Okay.